0: The message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Let me ask a question as we get started, because I really want to lay the foundation of, uh, of where we're going this morning. This is this is so practical, so life changing. Um, anybody ever face fear in life? Fear. Fear of potentially the unknown, uh, fear of circumstances, uh, loss, the the list is long, right? Uh, Ever struggle with doubt? Uh, Disappointment? Uh, Things not going the way that you hoped for uh, in, in your current circumstances? Man, this message is so pertinent to all of those scenarios and circumstances in life. Um, Let's pray that our hearts would be ready to receive the good seed, uh, that we would be fertile soil, that we'd be be ready to put into practice these things, these principles. Because really what we're talking about this morning is kind of the thematic element of the entire Bible. If you were to sum the entire Bible up, Like, I believe that the Bible is calling us to this one thing. Trust God. Trust Him. Everything that God wants for us comes to us through faith. We're we're deemed righteous by faith, not by works, we can't earn any favor or any, anything from God. God, that's not the way that God desires to, to impute all of that He has for us. Even this glorious relationship and all the benefits of it come to us by faith. And we're beckoned. Jesus constantly called the disciples, said, Oh, you have little called them to faith. In fact, when they asked for any in their life to increase, I think sometimes in our prayer life, we ask for a lot of things to increase, right? But but the only thing they ever asked for Jesus to increase was their, their faith. And there's good reason for that. And we're going to talk about it this morning. Let's pray together as we get started. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it never returns void, but always comes accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. We thank you that your word is good seed and that it uh, desires to find fertile soil of our hearts so that you might plant this seed in us. Lord, uh, we want to be those that follow you as Lord, doing and obeying exactly what it is that you've called us to do. Doing it out of love and gener- and, and gratitude in a generous posture, Lord. And especially when it comes to obedience, that we would be generous in that, um, knowing that it's our privilege to serve you with our hearts and our lives. Uh, Lord God, help us to trust you. Increase our faith. We believe, but help our unbelief. Help us to walk walk out your word, um, not out of reluctance or under compulsion, but be a joyful giver when it comes to obedience. And we just pray that we would learn from, uh, from Judas and John and Peter, from David, but mostly we, we desire that we would learn from you, Lord, from you. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in next, uh, we're in Luke, uh, by the way, and you can turn with me to chapter 22. Uh, We're going to pick up in verse 54. Uh, But before we get there, uh, I just want to touch on a little bit of uh, John's message from last week on shine. And I love, I absolutely love how the Lord, how God's word is interwoven and it has, you know, the way that he kind of takes exactly what we were preaching on in the, in the uh, them- thematic element of shine last week, but, but just talking about making, I love in Proverbs it, uh, it, uh, no, in fact, it's Jeremiah. Let me read this for you in Jeremiah 17. Um, this is so good. This is so good. J- Jeremiah 17:7 7 and eight. Listen to what this says. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Isn't that good? That's verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the streams and does not fear. What did, what did I just say? Does not what? Does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green. Why? Because he's planted by streams of water, the living water. And is not anxious, Is not what? In the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. Now let's remember that that illustration is illustrating this principle. Blessed is the man whose trust, who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Yesterday um, I, I've started a new discipline, um, version. It's an app uh, that you can get on your phone. It's, it's, a, it's a treasure. Um, but they present a, a verse for every day for, for, for review or memory work. Or for me, I just meditate on it. And I was meditating on this verse. Yesterday, and uh, this is Psalms 34, 8, and it says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Now, we, I preached a while back. Um, you remember uh, Jesus, They had a, there was a rich young ruler that came to him. And uh, the first thing he said to him was, what? Good teacher. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Right, and one of the things we learned was that in the Jewish culture, in in their legacy, they never used the word good for anything other than God. Right? It was it was set apart to God. God taste and see that the Lord is good. It, it wasn't like there was a, some some you know pizza is good and God is good. Whoa, <laughs> you know, like 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 God is the pinnacle, the source of all goodness. Right? But He is He's good. And, but a lot of times we quote that, but do you know what it goes on to say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who, listen to what it says, takes refuge in him. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Um, so last night I go to bed with this on my mind. I, I woke up three, four, several times last night. And, and throughout the night, like, this, this other verse just kept coming to mind. And I, I got to be honest, I didn't know the reference for it. I thought it was a psalm and it wasn't. It's Proverbs 18.10. And this is what literally every time I woke up, this is, this is the verse. And I share it with you this morning. I added it to this, this morning because it's so relevant. Proverbs 18.10. Again, familiar. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, are we talking? Now, again, if you look at it's it's L-O, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. that That is Yahweh. Okay, now, what is interesting here is that, do you know that there's actually something in the Bible that's there over 6,800 times? In the Old Testament, we we see it mostly in in Exodus, in Deuteronomy, 54 times in uh, in Ezekiel. It says this, that they may know that I am the Yahweh, Lord, right? And and if we go back to chapter three of Exodus, what we find is, you know, Moses says, you know, well, when I go to to Egypt, who, who am I supposed to tell them sent me? And he says, "I am who I am, I am." right? And what he's saying there is that I'm not I was or I will be. I am, I am, I am, I am. There is no time with me. I'm always I'm always here, I'm always God. I'm, uh, but then he goes on to say, "And my name, my name will be you will know my name is Yahweh, the Lord," translated for us in English, Yahweh." And then he goes on from that point in in, in Exodus 3 throughout the the balance of the Old Testament to say over 6,800. Guys, if something is repeated in the scriptures, maybe it's worth paying attention, right? But this is, I don't know that there's anything that has this frequency. And, And what he says is that they may know that I am the Lord. Every time he says that, it's associated with a moment where he reveals his nature, his attributes, his character, his promises, right? In some cases, it's, it's, it's judgment. In some cases, it's just grace and blessing and, and provision, miraculous interaction or intervention. And, 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 and what he's trying to show them is that I am worthy to be your trust, I'm I I am faithful, I'm kind, I'm good, I'm merciful. Like what he's doing is he's he's illustrating, don't miss this, he's illustrating his name. He's he's telling us who he is. And and he's faithful to his character, his nature, his promises, his his declared name. God wants us to know him. And he wants us to know him in a way that we trust him in the moments of life where, where there's conflict, where there's pain, where there's fear and doubt. He wants us to be his shield, his rock, his, re- you know, our refuge, our salvation, our hope. So when we go back to, um, when we go back to Genesis and we look at the fall, the first thing that mankind experiences on the other side of disobedience is fear. Well, you're saying, Pastor Colin, where? Well, the Lord walks back into the garden because he's that's what he does. He's he's seeking to reconcile them and to 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 redeem them. And uh and, and he says, Where are you? It's not that he doesn't know, he's just calling them out of their 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 hiding, right? And they said we're hiding because we were afraid. This was foreign to them. This was new to them. They're afraid now, and the, 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 you know, to, to, we could spend a lot of time here, but just to be brief, like rather than running to God in that moment, they ran from God, and it's a, it's the disposition of humanity to to blame, to cover up, or to hide. And rather than hiding in Him, declaring that He's a rock, a refuge, a hiding place, we we have this innate tendency, and disposition, and paradigm to hide from Him. I love that we just sang a song that you've probably re- sang this lyric a lot. Grace taught us to what? To fear the Lord, but. Grace also relieved us of unrighteous fear. We sang that, right? It, it taught us to have a reverence for God that, that works itself out in, 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 to salvation through obedience. But, but the catalyst in that was faith. Ever, as I said earlier, everything that God has for us is imputed to us by faith. How did you get saved? By faith how are we How are we righteous before god it 's not by our works it 's by it 's by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Do you know that even our sanctification, our growing up in the Lord faith everything every promise that God has for us is realized through faith and so what God wants us to do is He wants us to trust Him, especially in the midst of conflict, especially where fear is beckoning at us. And so last week, we, uh, we, we looked at, John helped us look at one of David's Psalms, Psalm 18, where, where there was a great opportunity for David to fear. Absalom, his son, was coming to kill him. And he declares his faith and confidence in the Lord in these words. Look, it doesn't mean that, that life's going to be absent of fear. It's just, do you believe this morning that faith overcomes fear? Do you believe that, that, that faith can actually be a shield? Faith in the Lord can actually extinguish, as, as, as Ephesians 6 says, all the fiery darts? And do we understand those fiery darts from the enemy are doubt, fear, discouragement, confusion, right? And when we say, no, I trust God, and that's, that's the disposition in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the storm. Listen to what David said here. this is Psalm 18, one to two, and I've bolded things just so we, we see the emphasis here. He starts, starts off with, "I love you. I love you. O Lord, my strength." He declares God to be his strength. It's so challenging, especially when we feel the, the, the frailty of these jars of clay. The Lord is my rock." My strength, my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. What do do these all have in common? It sounds like he's in a fight. It sounds like he's in a battle. It sounds like maybe the king has loved ones that are seeking his demise. Does that sound familiar to the moment we're in in Luke? The very ones that Jesus is dying for is seeking his life to kill him. Now, let me be very clear, and I think this is so important for us to really understand Scripture well and not misrepresent it, is not all of Scripture is prescriptive. Right? Some of scripture is descriptive. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Not all of David's life is meant to be followed. Agreed? Right? Not everything that David did. Now, keep in mind, this is on the other side. He's had children, Bathsheba, you know, Solomon, you know, and now his son is is seeking to kill him, Absalom. So, like, but there is one life that walked this planet that is meant to be prescriptive to be followed. And that's Jesus. Does that make sense? We can learn so much from the faults and failures, the mistakes and successes of, of Joseph and Daniel and many others, right? There's a lot to glean there. But ultimately, there's only one who was perfect. There's only one that's worthy of our fellowship. There's only one. And, and his life is truly prescriptive. But we can glean so much from Clearly, David has had some experiences that he makes these these bold statements about God's faithfulness, about God's character, about God's name. And he starts off with, I love you. You are my rock. You're my refuge, my fortress. You're my God. You're my stronghold, my deliverer. See, David is obviously in need of defense, he's in a fight. And who's he running to? Who's he declaring to be his defense? Here's the, here's the question we have to ask ourselves. When, when fear rears its ugly head, are you a fighter? Are you a flighter? Are you a freezer? You know, we see this in the animal kingdom, but like we're called to a totally different posture in the midst of like it's not, it, it's not, we acknowledge our feelings, but we submit those feelings To trust in God and believe that faith overcomes fear. Listen to what David goes on to say here. I call upon the Lord in the midst of conflict. This is where I go. He says, who is worthy to be praised. Do you believe that there's power and praise in the midst of the storms and the moments of fear? And I am saved from my enemies. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies the cord of death, listen to this, the cord of death encompasses me. The torrents of destruction assails me. The cords of shield, the grave, right? Encircle me, entangle me, excuse me. The snares of death confront me. I mean, I think he's covered the bases here. What's going on? In my distress, he's honest. I called upon the Lord. I called upon Lord in my distress I called upon the Lord to my God I cried for help did Jesus model this right we, we know it was for at least an hour it was three times he comes back to James John and Peter and and he prayed he sought the Lord and then he found his resolve in in submission to God's will and desire shall I not drink the cup the father has given me he says from his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reaches the ear his ears that's that's david's confidence, even if i don't get an immediate answer. I know that God hears me jeremiah thirty three three call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that i do not that you do not know and we gotta we gotta rest in the the fact that God hears us and then you know John preached through 28 to 32 here and and the the verse that captured me because it's so relevant I love how the Lord weaves all of these passages together to 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 bring about the the emphasis and the points that he wants us to discern and know there's so much practical information here man life is filled with disappointment and doubt and struggle and pain and 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 fear but we don't have to give into it we don't have to let our feelings lead us We can truly follow Christ in these moments and allow faith to overcome fear. That we might make the same declarations that David stated about who the Lord is. And this is what he said in verse 30. And this is the verse that captured me last week. This God, his way is perfect. His way. Jesus said, I am the way. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He's testifying to God's faithfulness in his life. He is a shield. This God, he is a shield. Now listen, for all those who take refuge in him. Guys, are you in the moments of doubt and fear, are you taking refuge in him? Taking refuge in him. Are you are you taking refuge in his name? his self-declared faithful attributes and character. Because look, we can continue to walk in our feelings. Fear will lead us to some pretty destructive places, right? Especially if our disposition is to fight, right? Or use, what can be more devastating is fear can actually open our mouths to say some pretty rough things, right? Right? where faith puts us at a totally different posture. We can actually experience a place of rest. We can actually experience a peace that makes no sense, that passes all understanding when we choose not to be anxious in that moment, but to be prayerful and thankful. Guys, can I ask you, is God good? Is he faithful to his word? Look, and the sad thing is a lot of people don't experience the, the testimony of David because they they don't trust him. are you with me? Like they don't trust him they and so they, they 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 don't experience the the refuge, the rock, the peace. So listen to what the passage that we have this morning has to say, and I think it's so relevant to this morning to this moment. So just quick quickly you know so they 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 had a last supper together hours hours earlier right uh, th- this was the passover they were celebrating jesus associates himself with the passover lamb and says drink my blood eat my eat this bread because you know you need to remember that i'm i'm the sacrificial lamb and he tells them at the table that one of them's going to d- betray them judas then is you know leaves the building and uh and, and and then comes back into the garden with a crowd with swords and clubs and, and lanterns and torches. And it says a great crowd to arrest Jesus. But between that those moments, Jesus tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times before the morning comes. And Peter's like, there's no way, man. I'll go to prison with you. I'll die with you. And, and all the other disciples are like, me too you know like and I believe there's great as we talked about great sincerity passion and conviction in that but but that's not how it goes you know Jesus tells them be prepared for conflict because we're, we're about to go into a battle boys and and here's what I want you to know pray that you don't enter into temptation that was rich that that is great insight pray that you don't enter into temptation but but what happens is Judas comes, they, he kisses him, he betrays him. Peter, and without even listening for, for Jesus' answer, cuts off Malchus's ear and, and Jesus says, put away the sword. If you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And, uh, and he heals Malchus, right? And then, and then he submits himself, not to them, but to the Father's will. And he trusts God. Now, do you think that Jesus faced all the feelings of the flesh, of his humanity? Please understand, Jesus was 100% human, yet without sin, not born with the seed of Adam, but he was also 100% God. And he, he yielded himself to the Father in all things in this moment. And, and we pick up there in verse uh, 54 in chapter 22 of Luke, and it says, Then they seized him, him being Jesus, and led him away bringing him to the high priest's house. Now, before we get a little critical of Peter here, I want you to imagine for a moment, I believe Peter was extremely sincere in his conviction to, to die with Jesus. He, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That came from his mouth. And so, like, this had to be extremely confusing for him because what what is he doing when he pulls his dagger out and he goes after Malchus? I, I don't think it was just his ear he was after right and and uh he was going to prove that he was he was going to he was going to defend Jesus like he's in right and what's unfortunate is that's ex- exactly the opposite of what Jesus wanted turn the other cheek bless those who curse you you know like it's it's not what he was here for he, love wins grace grace overcomes like mercy triumphs over judgment and um but can you imagine how confusing it was for Peter in this moment? Like, wait, this is, this, is, this is the guy I'm following. Like, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Have you ever felt like following Jesus? You were following Jesus and this just doesn't seem like how it's supposed to go? I mean, we need to kind of get in Peter's shoes here for a moment. I mean, the very thing he did, he got rebuked for when he thought he was doing what was right again. Remember, get behind me, Satan. And so the text goes on to say, and Peter was following at a distance. Why was Peter following at a distance now? This was never Peter's disposition. This was never the proximity that he kept with Jesus. Fear, doubt, confusion, Jesus was, was Jesus in the center of God's will? Was he doing exactly what the Father wanted him to do? And yet, those that were following him were confused. And many had ran away. Peter's following at a distance. And John, we come to find out, where's John? He's doing what John does. He's right next to Jesus. He's right where Jesus is. We'll see that in a little bit. But Peter followed at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, now let's understand they're, they're in the, the high priest's courtyard, which makes up, there's actually two high priests. One is Annas, who is the Jewish high priest and is rightful to that position. Uh, but Rome steps in, takes his son-in-law and makes him the high priest, right? And uh, and so now they've got two high priests because the, the high priest's position is until you, you die. And so... He's taken first, and they, they lived in a, in a compound, and there's this courtyard between them, okay, so that we understand what's going on here. And this is, it's, it's nighttime. Remember, they brought torches, and they've built a charcoal fire. And, and Peter comes in. We'll see in John how he gets in, and he's warming himself by the fire. And by the way, the ones that he's warming himself around are many of the individuals that arrested Jesus in the garden. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat, and this is the same girl we'll see in John that, that open she's in charge of opening the gate. Um, she's the bouncer. Um, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him said, this man also was with him. Well, just kind of, we'll come back to it, but look at that word also. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. Why would he say that? Is that shocking? Like if you put yourself in the, in the narrative, in the moment, like in their shoes, like what? I don't know him. Guys, I want you to understand that this is one of the most horrific moments. In, in I mean, listen, when, when people you don't know harm or hurt or call crucify, I mean, when one of your closest says, I don't even know him, do you know what you know what ultimately gets us into glory? Jesus says, Depart from me, for I did not. I mean, this this is this is a picture of the worst thing that you could do is to say, I don't even know you. Right? It's knowing him. Like that's that's the whole hope of life is to know him and to make him known. And and Peter says. Woman, I don't even know him. Why would he say that? Well, we're going to explore that. And a little later, somewhere, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Again, he uses the word also. And after an interval of about an hour, don't forget that. We come back to that, okay? So there's an interval of about an hour after the in the middle of the denial, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a is a, a Galilean. And and here's the question that this beckons us. Are you with him? Are you with him? Because Peter states, I am not with with him, listen to what the text goes on to say. But Peter said, "Man, I do not know what you are talking about." And immediately, while he was still speaking, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now, what I want you to understand is, and we'll see it in the John text. This, this is so he goes to Annas' house first, that high priest first. Because that's where obviously the Jewish soldiers would take him. The Sanhedrin would take him to their high priest. And this is where he says, like, uh, you know, he speaks to the high priest and the soldier believes it's a, in a disrespectful way. And he uses his hand. We don't know if it's a slap or a punch, but he, he hits Jesus. And there's this dialogue going on. And he's saying, do you, do you believe that you're the Messiah? Do you, are you the son of God? And he, he says, "You say so," and that's enough for them to say, "We're done." He's 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 convicted himself here. Um, and so after that that trial, he's moving over to Caiaphas now, and and as he goes through the courtyard, he actually is there for the very moment of Peter's final denial. And it did you did you read what it says? And the Lord turned. And looked at Peter. Can you imagine? I just want us to take in this moment. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, I want to remind us of something here that is so critical. Jesus told him that he would do this before the the occasion, right? Before this popped up. But with that statement that Jesus said, because he was going like, you know, I'll die for you. And he says, well, you know, the truth is. But with that statement, he says, you know, he says, the enemy has asked to sift you as wheat, Peter. But I have what? I have prayed for you that when you return, you will strengthen your brothers right? Like that's one of the greatest things I love that Jesus said in that moment, because he's prayed for us before we face a moment of fear or failure. He's already prayed for us. Like that's so beautiful to know that our advocate before the throne of grace today, who, 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 who sits there while the accuser of the brethren is, is, is is making his statement, We have an advocate that says, I, 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 I covered that. I died for him. And he prayed for Peter before he even entered into this moment. And then what I love is that he also says, says to him that there's going to be an opportunity to, for you to, to return and strengthen your brothers. I'm sure that helped later on. When the path is painful, please hear this. Not if, but when the path is pain Anybody on a painful path? Yeah, me too. When the path is painful, do you know him? Or do you follow at a distance now and find yourself in a posture of fear and doubt that might lead to denial? Because, look, are we going to be on painful paths? In this life, you will have trouble. They hated you, they'll hate me too. I'm sending you out like, like wolves among little, like little lambs among wolves. That's what he says. I mean, like, like I even read yesterday, like, like, he said, you know, they were all getting on him because, like, why don't your disciples fast? Everybody else's disciples are fasting. John's, you know, everybody. And he says, look, the bridegroom's here. Bridegroom's here. Do, you know, during a wedding feast, do, do people fast? Does that make sense? He goes, but when I'm gone, they'll fast. Why do people fast? Right? Like we're, we're told that it's, that it's in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome. Like we're told, why are you surprised by the fiery trials as if something strange was happening to you? Let us have accurate expectations. Like this isn't heaven yet. But when the path is painful, do you know him? When the road is rough, are you with him? Are you with him? Is he your rock? Is he your refuge? Is he your stronghold? Is he your strong tower? Is he your salvation, your deliverer? Can you say, he's my God. He's who I'm going to put my trust in. I think this is so practical. And guys, let me tell you this. I, I say this with firm conviction. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm just, what I, I believe the scriptures tell us. And, and if that's the case, I think this needs to sink in to our hearts that we got to trust God. No, no, we get to trust God, <laughs> right? Like the, that's, the, that's the privilege that the saint has is that we know, we know who the Lord is but are are, are, we, are we are we declaring him to be our strong tower where do you run when you're afraid be honest with yourself what do you tend to do do you do you hibernate do you isolate sounds a lot like the garden doesn't it do we do we get in fight mode or do we or do we not get in fight mode And we get in love mode, right? Because that's what John does. We're going to see this. Like, perfect love casts out all... Say it with me. Perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. Jesus took it all. Like, here's the other thing. We have not been given a spirit of... But of love, power, and uh, self-control or sound mind, right? Like, I mean, this is what the spirit... Like, we've been given the mind of Christ... Have the same mind in you, Philippians 2, 5, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The same mindset, attitude. Like it's a it's a humble posture that that says, Man, I'm I'm submitted to your will, Father, and I know you're good. I know you're good, even though my circumstances aren't good. Anybody not having good circumstances? Hello? I know. And I don't know it at all, and I but I know. And and look. If you're gonna walk closely with him, like where was the where was the enemy's intensity the the, the fiercest? Around Jesus. And where was the protection the greatest? Around Jesus. Guys, what I'm saying is like if we stay close, it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. The narrow path is hard. Right? But he's with us. He's with us. And he will not leave us or forsake us. Do you know who has the tendency to wander off? It's not him. (laughs) It's not him. Remember the scene in the garden. Just remember that. So as we back up to this scene... I just want to remind us of this. I won't, I won't teach through this, but just for me reminded of this. Earlier in the same, like five, six, seven verses earlier, this is what it says in verses 49 to 51. And when those who were around him saw what would follow. Now, this is the disciples seeing that, look, this crowd's coming with swords and clubs. This is going to be a, a conflict, right? They said, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? That was three years of teaching and training as disciples that 's that 's what their conclusion was at that moment guys let 's understand that that's that 's going sometimes that 's going to be our i, I don 't know I, I mean especially i, I don 't know if it's just especially with men, but that just seems to be like okay then it 's on you know like pride gets in the way you know, and it's you know we 're just in for the fight and and so they asked the question, and it 's interesting to me if you read the text. Peter doesn't wait for an answer, doesn't wait. He says, and one of them, I love that Luke leaves his name out, but Peter struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. It takes a doctor to to have the details of right ear, right? But, But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. And in John 18, we hear this is what Jesus said. So Jesus said, verse 11 to Peter, put your sword in its sheath shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Jesus is the ultimate example of trusting God. I mean, do you know what? You know, it says earlier in Luke, uh, in fact, it's in Matthew, it says, he knew everything that was going to be done to him and he followed the Father. He knew it all. Like, it's an, He is the prescriptive, one the, the Lord to be followed. Are you willing to drink the cup given to you? I guess what I'm saying is like the challenge is to trust and obey. To trust and obey. Like not not to not to, to weigh the pros and cons. I mean, what does Proverbs three, five and six say? So relevant, right? Trust in the Lord with Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path obvious and straight. All right. Well, here we get to John 18 and this is the same text, same context or, or event, but from John's perspective. Now, what what I want to point out is John has a completely different disposition than Peter. He's, he's in the courtyard. He's the also disciple. He's there. And interestingly enough, when everybody else is in fear and hiding, he's at the cross, still being obedient to Jesus' command to care for his mother. He's not afraid. And isn't it interesting that he's the one that pens in 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out all fear. Isn't it interesting that he's the one that, that knows that Jesus loves him, is thoroughly convinced and that perfect love casts out all fear. And, and that he's walking in faith. And isn't it interesting? I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. It's this more interesting stuff. But in verse 15 to 18, this is what it says. This is John's account. Simon Peter followed Jesus. He didn't say at a distance, but that's what's stated in Luke. And so did another disciple. Who's the other, another disciple? This is always how John intro, like, in, in, inserts himself in his gospel. We we find that out at the end of the gospel. Since that disciple, John, was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard with the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl, remember the servant girl, who kept watch at the door, remember I called her the bouncer, and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door, remember we already read this, said to Peter, You also. Who's, he, who's she referring to? John, right? Yet John's not facing any consequences that, that Peter's terrified about. Interesting. You also are not, uh, are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. John must have heard this answer. I, I believe that because he wrote about it. And to me, it's just shocking. It's shocking. But, but guys, when I take evaluation of my own life and my past choices, have we not denied him? Have we not had moments where we could stand in faith and declare knowing that, or, 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 or do we allow potential consequences to, 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 to cause fear to move us into a different posture. It, went on, it goes on to say, now the servants and officers, so we know who, these are the people that came to arrest him, had made a charcoal fire. I want you to make a mental note of charcoal fire because we're going to get to this later in this series. And there's a, it's interesting that the Greek clearly says charcoal fire because there's another charcoal fire that will be built on the shore of Galilee to bring Peter right back to this moment in a sensory way in order for Jesus to reconcile him. It says, had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. It's nighttime. It's almost the middle of the night, right? Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Verse 24, I skipped to 24. Annas had sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. This is the transition that t- took place for about an hour. Remember, and then he comes. they come back to The denial, the final denial. And in verses 25 to 27 in John, it says this. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once the rooster crowed. So let me ask some questions. Why did Judas fail? Why did Judas fail? I believe it's because he didn't follow Jesus but followed feelings or the father of lies. He he didn't he didn't share God's objective. He didn't know the heart of God, he didn't know the mission of God. He wasn't listening. And he he clearly wasn't listening because before Jesus could even raise from the dead, he's throwing the 30 silver pieces back and saying, I've betrayed innocent blood. And then he goes out and hangs himself. He thinks it's over. And Jesus clearly said over and over again, I'm coming back. He didn't believe him. He didn't know him. He didn't follow him. So why was Peter following at a distance? I mean, this is kind of where we're going this morning, right? Like, why was Peter following at a distance? I think the number one reason is fear. Doubt, disillusionment, all the, there's other factors, but fear. Why did Peter deny knowing Jesus? He gave in to fear. I think the following at a distance then led to, right, he gave in to fear. Rather than believing God, Christ's words and promise, why was John staying so close? John didn't take off in the garden. John's staying right there. Why did he stay so close? It's a picture of faith over fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. He knew Jesus loved him. He was confident, right? But I believe John stayed close. And this is, this is so exciting because he's Shema. He listened with obedience. He listened, right? And he loved, right? He knew he was loved and he loved. What does John, every letter that John writes, <laughs> I'm telling you, the number one word is love, right? Like, but he listened. And why do I say that? Because every other gospel account has, does not have the final discourse. Only John's gospel, when you look, at, starting in chapter 14, verse 1, to ch- the end of chapter 17, it's the only place you hear, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. It's the only place you hear, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house. There's many rooms. It's the only place you hear that, don't worry, the Holy Spirit's coming, and he's going to lead you into all truth and remind you of everything that I've said. Like all of this, it's where the high priestly prayer is, and he says, oh, Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. That doesn't sound like an end. That sounds like a beginning. And there's a whole lot of promises there. And nobody else, no other gospel writes about it. John does. John listened. He's shaman. He, he listened with, with obedience. And it, it led him all the way. Like when Jesus said, come follow me, where did that end on this, in this path? To a cross. And where's all the other disciples? Where's John? John. He's standing at the foot of the cross. He doesn't have any he he kept his he kept proximity as intimate. He stayed close. And he listened and he trusted and he believed and he knew he was loved so he loved. And he's the only he got the privilege to take care of Jesus's mom. Here's what only John records from earlier that night, verse 14, chapter 14 of John, and we're going to go through this final discourse here over the next few weeks, and I'm so excited. So John 14, 1 through 4, it says, "Let." This is what Jesus said to them in the midst of like they walk out of the upper room, betrayal, all of that. Like he's told them that this ends in his demise, uh, in crucif- crucifixion, but not. But but resurrection, and and this is what he says to them: Let not your hearts be troubled. Guys, can I tell you tonight? Please, this morning, I'm I'm really in the context here tonight. Um, like, can I can I beckon you to this? Do you think there will be occasions in the future that you're gonna be, you're gonna face fear and doubt? You think you think so? Guaranteed. Let these words resonate in your heart. Put them. Put meditate on this let not your heart be troubled. Like Jesus is saying, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't let your heart be troubled. And then you're going, oh, you know, listen, Jesus is notorious for asking us to do things that we can't do. Okay. Without him. Right. He's going to help us right? If we walk in obedience, he's going to, he's going to do significant. The Holy Spirit's there for that very purpose. But listen, what he goes on to say, believe in God, believe in my father, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. Jesus points them to heaven when facing troubled hearts and fear on earth. And then he makes promises that he wants us to walk in. Look, when you, when you fear death, Remember that Jesus has promised you eternal life, right? So it goes on and it says this, if it were not so, in other words, my father's house having many rooms, heaven, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And then he starts using bridal language, which I love. He says, if I go to prepare my place for you, a place for you, I will come again. I can you hear this this morning? I will come again and will take you where? To myself, Brian. Isn't that good? Like, can I tell you what the Christian like? Look, I I love this because to to me it's it's accurate. Jesus Jesus isn't forcing anybody into a relationship with Him. He is calling. He is inviting. And he's inviting you into a covenant relationship as a bridegroom. This is marital language here. He's saying, uh, I'm going to go build a house for you and then I'm going to come back for you like this. These are Galilean wedding ears. They they know what he's talking about. And in in my opinion, my humble opinion, this is what Jesus is doing for the world. I did not come to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I did not come into the world to condemn the world but to save it. Right what he what he is doing is Jesus got on his knee he humbled himself in the most the most infinite way right god took on skin and then submitted himself to the father's will and died for humanity's sin debt that separated them from him and he got on his knee and he offered a covenant relationship in his blood guaranteed by a sealed work of the Holy Spirit. And he says, be my bride and I will be your bridegroom and I will lead you. I will protect you. But come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And he invites you into a covenant relationship to be his bride. And what is a bride? But a helpmeet? We are called to be his helpers, submitted to his will. Right, we're, we're called to be his body, which is his hands and feet, so that his work continues in a scope that, he says, greater than what he accomplished. Like he, this is such a beautiful moment where Jesus is saying this. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. John is the only one that writes this. In the midst of all of the the potential anxiety, worry, doubt, fear of this night, this is what what Jesus is telling them. And and John hears it. Right? And and my question this morning is, do you hear it? Are you listening? Are you shemaing? The word shema means to listen and obey. Right? Hear, obey. Israel, the Lord, your God is one. I will worship the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, strength and soul that that where I am, you may be also and you know the way to where I'm going. Well, that beckons a a question in which comes up. Well, how can we know the way if we don't know where you're going? You know, like, whoa, because what they were looking for was a plan to follow. Can I tell you this morning that he is the plan? He is the way and we're to walk step by step and follow him. Do you think the disciples knew what was happening tomorrow, next week? No, they just follow Jesus. And Jesus is such a perfect example here. And in in, in, in two verses later, this is what he says. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the father or to his house except through me. I'm your bridegroom. I'm the, one that, I'm the only one that can take you back home to the Father. Only one. And here's the good news. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And he did. He, that's why we're told in the scriptures that you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. That's bridal language. He purchased us. He redeemed us. He is our Hosea. Right? So, a few questions as we close, and I really want you to stay with me here. This is our wrap up. He says He is the way. What's our challenge then? What do you do with a map? What do you do with a, a plan? You follow Him. How, how closely? Guys, are, are you following Him at a distance? Are you following Him closely? Are you following His example? See, closely, it's a statement that we trust him, right? I mean, John, like what a great testimony. John overcame his fear by trusting Christ and his word. So where? Where? And the answer really is wherever he leads you. Wherever. Might that be a fearful path? Listen, I, I know this is a bold statement, but I guarantee it. Stay close and trust him. Stay close and trust him. I, I want to use this as a quick illustration. Remember, Jesus was, he, he led the disciples into a storm. He was on the boat with him. That, that's the good news, <laughs> right? But this storm was so treacherous that they these Galilean fishermen thought they were going to die. So we're in another moment where people are afraid of dying, right? And Jesus is sleeping. Talk about following his example. He's sleeping on the cushion of the boat. Why? He trusts the Father. He knows this isn't where it ends. He's resting in the Father, right? He's asleep. They come up to him and this is what they say. Don't you care if we live or die? We're about to perish, as one uh, version says, right? And the first thing out of his mouth is this. This is what he says. Why are you afraid? Think about that this morning. To his disposition, to his posture with, he knows the father. It's ludicrous to him to be afraid. He's like, why are you afraid? And when he goes on to say is basically this. I'm right here. I'm here. What do you got to be afraid of? I'm your shield. I'm your rock. I'm your river. And I'm here. Guys, you know that Jesus said that we're better off than they were. He says, it's better that I go that, that he might come. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, we're actually indwelt with the Holy Spirit, sealed. Like we're empowered for radical and joyful obedience. Guys, can I tell you this morning? God is with us. And do you, yeah, exactly. And do you know this, guys, that every time heaven seems to show up, the first thing that that the angel or whoever says is, do not be, do not be afraid. For I am with you. That's always what follows, right? Remember Mary? Don't be afraid, Mary. God is with you with you guys can I please say that to you this morning God if you are sealed with the Holy Spirit right then you're son and daughter of God do not fear God is with you and Jesus gets up and he calms the sea he tells it, peace be still and and it and, and then they marvel that you know what matter of man is this that he tells the winds and the waves to be quiet and they do <laughs> that's our Jesus that's And you know what he wants? This is what the whole Bible is about. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe that he is your shield. And when we talk about Ephesians 6 that it's a shield that extinguishes all the fiery darts, it's, it's, it's faith in him is a shield. Do you believe that this morning? I do. I do. So, Will there be danger, conflict, tests, opposition? Will there be tough questions, charcoal fires, failure? Please, please have grace for yourself. God does. Jesus is praying for you. And when you turn, when you repent, strengthen your brothers Jesus has prayed for you. Stay close. He is leading us home. Is that true? He is. He's made a way where there was no way. It's the ultimate Red Sea. Right? The the, the enemy is defeated. Where's the tambourines, right? That's the they, they did that like they I don't know like what who they thought to take all this stuff, you know, overnight. They get this quick departure from from Egypt and somehow the women all had their tambourines. But but you know what that tells me? They were prepared to worship. Are you? Like he wants us to know and believe that the safest place is with him. He wants us to know that. Yet, that is where the battle is most intense. He wants us to know that too. Will the worship team come? We're going to close with song this morning. But as they come, I want to remind you of a few things and ask you a few more questions. Remember, he is with us. He's with you. But here's the challenge Are you with him? Peter said, I'm not with him. His cross was the ultimate victory. That's where that journey led. How did Jesus win the fight? How would you answer that question this morning? How did Jesus win the fight? in answering my own question as I thought about it, he trusted and obeyed his father. That's how he won the fight. Because he had to fight his own flesh in that, if you remember. In the context of your life, where is Jesus going? It's not, see, I think we asked the wrong question. We asked, where am I going? Right? Where is Jesus going where is he leading you are you following him being his bride his body his bondservant father help us we know the things that you call us to are beyond our capacity but by your spirit nothing is impossible and so Lord we, we can count on your help and we just pray father that we would trust you that rather than turning to, to doubt and fear and, and and anxiety, that we would that we would rest in you, believing that you are our rock, a refuge, our hiding place, our shield, our fortress, our God. We love you, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.